2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Uh, we are in life series, and uh, you know, you realize it, but uh, every human being has to deal with shame. Some people just realize it, and some people don't. And the devil tries to rule you through shame. And the devil tries to get an advantage over you through shame. And the devil tries to get us to uh, perform and get access to God through self-righteousness. In other words, he wants you, he wants me to act and to get near to God or attempt to get near to God through what we do, what we can do, what we try to do. Uh, the reason he wants you to do that is that's no way to God. And honestly, that's how he operates. So the devil himself, uh, you know, puffs himself up and he thinks like I'm some big somebody. He actually thinks even with the defeat of Jesus, he thinks he's winning. You know, he thinks, well, you know, and the last thing I I'm going to win, uh, yet even though his power has all been taken away from him, uh, he still acts the same way because he's full of pride. So there's no truth in him. Right. So he doesn't have truth. He tries to act like he has truth, like his truth is greater than your truth. And that's why when people cozy up with him and, and get near to him, uh, you could just listen to people talk and you're kind of like, how can you think that that's true? Well, you know, Romans chapter one. When we choose not to acknowledge God, we're given over to a debased mind. And then he goes on to say some pretty uh, a grow, grotesque things or extreme things uh, that happens. But the main thing to realize is when humans choose not to acknowledge God, and we see in, also in Romans chapter 1 that you can just see through the creation uh, of the earth, uh, God's invisible qualities, His divine nature are clearly seen through what has been made so that men are without excuse. Men means men, women, young, old, human creatures, right? So uh, there is no excuse for any human just because uh, creation declares the divinity and goodness and existence of God himself. And so if you're going to look at all this and then you're going to turn away, uh, your mind isn't going to function the way God designed it. So you'll start thinking thoughts that aren't reality. But you'll think that those thoughts that you're thinking that are not reality are real, right? You look in Timothy, boy, if you look at, this is not an end time study, maybe it should be, but this is not an end time study, but if you look in the Word, we find out in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, not lovers of God. They'll be disobedient to parent. They'll be unruly, unfaithful. Uh, basically, it's a picture uh, of our time, um, and it's a picture more real of the last days in our time than has ever been up till this point in time, right? Because a lot of people would say, well, like, well, we're living in the last days. They said that in the 80s, you know, 88 reasons Jesus will come in 1988 if you were alive then or whatever. Um, uh, but people look and say, you know, but I would just say if you look at today's time, it's, well, of course, it's closer than it's ever been. <laughs> but there are more things uh, happening in the Word, when you start to read uh, the Scriptures concerning the last days, you think you're reading like the news, you know. And so um, what happens in these last days is people choose not to acknowledge the Lord, and so they don't think right. So it doesn't say like, you know, uh, go build yourself a compound and protect yourself. 
from the world come out of the world and have like four foot thick concrete walls and everything like that. It said, lift up your head and rejoice because your redemption is drawing near. So when you see these things begin to come to pass, don't get full of fear. Uh, don't get full of anxiety, but turn your head, turn your eyes upon Jesus. You know, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, unto myself. Well, that includes us that are believers. In other words, in these last days, we ought not to look down. In other words, look at the things that are happening in the world and have that be our focus because uh, the direction that you look is the direction you will move towards, right? So I'm not looking at the world. I'm not uh, ignorant of what's happening in the world. I see what's happening in the world, but I refuse to let that be my focus. I refuse to let that take my energy. I refuse to let that take my joy. And I refuse to just kind of like, uh, just, uh, what do you call it? Come out of the world and be so separate that you're not voting or you're not involved or you're not speaking or anything like that, right? Uh, but I'm not going to let the world make my decisions for me, right? Because I believe God. So I'm not, I'm not coming under the dominion of the world system. I'm under the dominion of another kingdom, which is the kingdom of God. And so... You know, decisions that any believer should make should be based primarily and first of all upon what God has said, right? And then after that, if there's a way to also honor those in authority, that's great, right? Some people uh, uh, get the false impression because the, the Bible says that, uh, you know, one translation says the man is the head of the woman. That's actually an unscriptural translation. It actually says the husband is the head of the wife, and uh so uh, some people get the false impression that means that whatever the husband tells the wife to do, the wife has to do. Actually, the Bible says, submit you one to another. Uh, the thing about it is, in a home, there has to be like a, well, any, any organization that's going to work effectively, there has to be like a final authority. And there where it says that, it says that, uh, that the husband um, is to do for the wife what Christ did for the church and sacrifice himself for her. So... Sure, uh, the wife needs to submit to any husband that is giving himself on the cross like Jesus did. Well, I'm not saying that that's an impossibility. That's a reality that that is the God kind of uh, uh, structure and setup. Uh, but sometimes people want to say, well, because of that, therefore, I, you know, I can just tell my wife to do anything and she needs to do it. Otherwise, she's out of the will of God and all, all these type of things. Well, that's not scriptural. That's not biblical. You know, it's more like follow me as I follow Christ, right? And so, because uh, sometimes a husband is not a believer. Oh, then what, you, what do you do? So then it's kind of like, well, you cannot go to church. You can't, you can't go. You can't do that. So you're going to submit to your husband instead of submitting to the Lord when your husband is not doing it in Christ, right? So, uh, or you need to do all these kind of things because it's your husband's desire or your husband wants this. No, it's in the Lord, that you are submitted to your husband in the Lord. So, you know, I like one lady. She, I mean, she, was, she was such a, she was a short little lady, and she was in one of Brother Hayes' first churches, and um, she, um, she was like very worldly. And uh, I mean, at the bar all the time, getting drunk and fighting and just feisty as all get out. Well, she got born again. <laughs> Jesus got a hold of her. And when she got born again, 
um, you know, her husband didn't. And so he was, uh, he was like, why are you always down there at that church? How come you're, you know, you're, you're not here? And she said, you know, I always made sure. I, I like had food for him and, and, and took care of him and did all these things. And he's like, you, 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 just, you, ought to move, you ought to just move down there. You're down there so much, you know. And she's like, you know, Jay, I don't, I, I don't treat you badly, anything like that. And, you know, so uh, she used to, before she was born again, they get in fights. When they get in fights, now we have one of these because we use it for breakfast all the time, but we have a cast iron skillet. So they get in fights and she would go after him with the cast iron skillet and hit him with it. So she was like, in other words, she was short, but she was like those little dogs, you know. I call them the yappy dogs, you know. One of those bit me a couple years ago outside Tractor Supply. I was walking in and he bit I'm like, what are you doing? Anyhow, uh, so she was like a little yappy dog, but, but more powerful. And so uh, she would do this. So he just got one day saying, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to let you go down there anymore and everything like that. And you can't do that. And she said, she said, that's fine. That's fine. And he thought, well, that's kind of weird. She's never been that compliant. And she said, that's fine. That's fine. You don't want me to go down there anymore. You want me to go back to the way I used to be. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Go down there as much as you want. You go down there all the time. I, you know, I like it when you're down there. And, uh. So, uh, um, you know, there's a, there's a, I don't remember where this one was from, but there's that lady that um, her husband didn't want her to go to church, and uh, he got so mad one day, he uh, grabbed a pistol and held it up to her head, and he said, what you going to do now? What you going to do now? Because they're having an argument about her going to church. And she said, well, she said, if you pull that trigger, I'm going to heaven, and if you don't, I'm going to church. So he didn't pull the trigger, right? So she went to church. He got saved. Melody wants me to finish the story. He got saved later. Praise the Lord. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, because the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are seen are temporary. So uh, what you see is temporary. Uh, what you experience is temporary, even in your relationships. Uh, sometimes relationships, you know, talking about husband and wife, uh, sometimes your relationships can be the most challenging issue that you have before you. Uh, because when uh, you're married to someone and you live with them, what they do affects you. Their attitude affects you, right? It affects the atmosphere in the house and uh, affects... Uh, your freedom to go and do things and your, your, your freedoms uh, to live the way that the Bible teaches us to live. And so um, the unseen or the temporary means it's subject to change. So somebody's attitude, especially a bad attitude, is subject to change. Because even people, yeah, praise the Lord. So faith, we live by faith. If you're going to live, it's by faith. I didn't say if you're going to be alive, if you're going to live. Uh, I like T.L. Osborne. He said a lot of people are dead while they live. So if you're going to live, if you're going to have life or the life of God in operation and you're going to experience it in your life, it will be because 
of your reliance on the Lord so much so that it changes your actions. Okay? And so faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what we're just talking about, the unseen. Faith is the evidence of things that you cannot see. So somebody said, well, how can you believe in Jesus? You can't see him. I have evidence for him. And it's a substance that we call faith. And that substance that we call faith takes me out of the world from my inner man. Yeah, I'm still here in my earth suit on the earth. But I don't live from the earth. I live from my seat in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Well, that's a significant statement that Paul made. Because at that seat, at the right hand of God, is the seat of all authority in the universe. In other words, you are seated there as a believer. I am seated there as a believer. And if we're seated there as a believer... This changes or should change our relation to the whole world system. And it should change our relation to our own body and our own mind. Right? Because why? I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every nameless name. Right? So in other words, we're above. We're above all of these things. Yet what happens in the, in the shameful life is that we live as if we're beneath all of these things. As if we identify with the missteps of our flesh. Or we identify with the thoughts in our mind that have not been adequately changed by what God has to say about it. In other words, we ha our mind has not been transformed in that area to think like God. So our thoughts are not God thoughts. Our thoughts are unrenewed man thoughts. Our thoughts then therefore have man limitations. And our thoughts then therefore are subject to the kingdoms of the earth. Our thoughts are then subject to the diseases of the earth. Our thoughts are subject to... Um, the wisdom of mankind. Well, I, I'm a believer. I, I don't want to think those. I don't have that wisdom. I don't want to think those thoughts. Well, if you don't renew your mind, you don't need to even try not to think the thoughts because if your mind is not changed, you have no God thoughts. You need to get God thoughts. And the way to get God thoughts is to eat God's word. And I don't mean like you, you crumble this up and, you know, put it with some water and stuff and make it soft so you can eat it. I mean like man shall not live by bread alone or natural sustenance alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So some people will take, and they'll take these, uh, I don't have one because I only own one, I guess, but, you know, these. you ever seen these uh, vitamin or pill boxes that have like, uh, it's like, it's like a matrix, basically. So you have like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then you have, I don't remember what they are, but it's like a, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's like four. I think there's AM, PM, and like, what, what do they call that in uh, that movie? You're like the second breakfast, you know, so you have like breakfast, second breakfast, you know, lunch, second lunch, dinner, second dinner. Anyhow, they have these all. 
And so what they'll do is like take and get a clock on their phone or something and like, I'm going to do this at this time, this at this time, this at this time, this at this time, this at this time. Well, spiritual things then are like foreign sometimes because we'll be like, well, how come God just doesn't do it? Isn't it just automatic? I'm a believer, so everything should just work. No, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word, the word for word there, the Greek word is the word rhema. So we don't live by natural vitamins and, uh, you know, vegetables and meats and, well, I'm not, I'm in a different realm, so I don't know all the food groups right now. So all those things alone, but by every word that proceeds. So every rhema that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, if it's proceeding out of the mouth of God, that means right now I'm listening to what God is saying. I don't mean, I don't have my watch, but I don't mean right now, 11.28 a.m. on Sunday morning, the 9th of August, 2020. I mean, when Jesus said, by every rhema that proceeds out of the mouth of God, if, 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 if uh, God was here and you could see Him, well, it's awesome to see Him. I've never seen Him. <laughs> but I can imagine it would be awesome to see Him. You know, I don't want to die because, you know, with the unrenewed flesh, the Bible says you die if you look upon it. So, anyhow, <laughs> once we have a renewed body. So, but imagine seeing Him. The glory and the splendor of that. Woo, that'd be awesome, right? Some people have had visions in heaven of the throne and even these different things, okay? Well, that's awesome. But at some point, and probably pretty quickly, I want to hear what he has to say. And I'm not just talking like the sound and tone of his voice, although we communicate so much through tones of love, of faith, of confidence. So that's an aspect to it, but only in the aspect that it is the communication of it. But what words is he saying to you? So Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Well, what does that mean? Well, every day, most people are eating a few meals a day to sustain their existence. And people that are not eating it, maybe they have a tube feeding them food because if you don't eat food for uh, too long and, or drink water even shorter, uh, your body's going to like uh, stop functioning. And so Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I want to know then what's proceeding out of the mouth of God. So Because Jesus is saying that if Tim is going to really live, I'm going to be having to tune my ear into what is coming out of the mouth of God towards me. Because a rhema is individual. And that's where I was going a second ago uh, when I kind of started laughing, is that faith, somebody said, well, yeah, yeah, I, I believe that God heals. I believe Jesus heals. And, um, you know, look at that. It's the blessing of the Lord. They didn't even use a horn. Hallelujah. And so, when are you going to be healed? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, when are you going to have it? Well, I believe he heals. I believe he's the healer. Okay. Uh, I believe that, what if I lay hands on, not that, I don't know if you need healing, but if I laid hands on Gary, he needed healing. Well, somebody could say, well, yeah, I believe that God would heal him. But that is not where faith is at. Faith is that you believe 
that God favors you now. So when Jesus said, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, so faith for healing for me would be, oh, I see that he is the healer and he has healed me and I receive it now. Or it could be, I see, I believe that he said they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, they being believers. So I just need uh, you to lay hands on me right now and I will receive the second hands are laid on me. In other words, faith is now, but faith is personal. So faith is God acting in your situation right now. Like A.B. Simpson, you guys know I love that testimony. He had that uh, heart, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but some big heart problem, he's about to die. And he, you know, he studied the word, and until he got, his mind was so changed that he said, I now see that uh, divine healing of the body is as just a, as much a part of God's redemptive work in Jesus Christ as salvation, he called it salvation of the soul, but what he was referring to is the spirit, that you're made a new creature in Christ Jesus. He said, I see that when Jesus did that on the cross, not only was I made a new creature, but my body was delivered from the power of sickness and disease that the devil, uh, that, that power that he holds, right? He said, he said, and at that moment, oh, it's sticky. I don't know whether my body felt any different or not, I know I didn't care because he had it in his hand. In other words, he's saying, I was acting in faith. I'm saying this because I believe what God made real to me. Uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So those words that proceeded out of the mouth of God, he took that uh, little bit of time and he ate the word so much so that it became a part of him that he's like, oh, this is what I believe. You realize two weeks before, his thinking was different. And two weeks before, if he sat down to write his belief in God, he could not have with confidence written, I know that he is my healer. But just a little bit of time of feeding on the word, now his mind is so changed that he sees things a different way. Not a little bit of time reading the news. Not a little bit of time reading the psychologist. Not a little bit of time reading the doctor's reports. Well, most people don't spend a little bit of time doing that. Most people spend a lot of time doing that. If you spend a little bit of time reading the doctor's report and most of your time attending to the word, my son, attend to my word, incline your ear, Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Incline your ear to what? My sayings. That's right, Ray. Let them not depart from before. I like it when you help me preach. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life. Man shall not live or have life by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, I'm tuned into the God channel in every situation. My heart is like, what do you have to say about it, Lord? Uh, what do you have to say about this situation? 
especially if I'm sitting down to read the Word and feed on the Word. I'm like, I'm not looking with my mind. I'm not trying to understand with my mind. I am opening my heart wide open, and I'm saying, okay, you be my teacher uh, because you have the words of life. And so you reveal things to me that my mind could never comprehend if it weren't for the anointing and for the precious blood of Jesus. So I turn in my heart, I turn my eyes towards you. I lift up my eyes to your word. And I, I, I want to see with the vision that only you can provide. So uh, Christianity is actually a revelation of God to man. And so uh, the act of faith removes us from the world's way of thinking and puts us in God's way of thinking. Right? So if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto myself. And so when I'm looking at Jesus, uh, I'm not looking at these other things. I'm actually seeing Him when He's lifted up and I see all of these other things uh, that would dominate me. I see them on Him and I see Him defeating them. And then He said... Remember uh, when Lazarus died, they're like, Lord, come in John chapter, uh, was it uh, eight or something like that? So, uh, and uh, they're like, Lord, you know, Lazarus is sick, my brother's sick, and, and come, and well, Jesus didn't come right away, and when he came, Lazarus had already died, and uh, what does he have to do? Well, I think it was Martha met him, remember, on his way? Martha met him. What did he do? He said, he said, um, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me shall never die, shall live and never die. I am the resurrection and the life. Let's turn over there real quick. John uh, chapter 11, John chapter 11. <clears throat> Uh, that's verse 25, I think. <clears throat> Let's start with verse 22. But I know that even now, uh, well, 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. If you had been here, my brother had not died. So faith is right now for you. So what's the situation? If Jesus had been here, this would not have happened. If I would have made connection with Jesus, this would not have happened. What was this? Well, Jesus healed people, but Jesus didn't raise people from the dead before this. So they had seen him conquer the natural forces of sickness, not natural forces, the demonic forces of sickness and disease, and even natural forces like the water, walking on water, natural things. So they had faith because of what he had said and what they saw him do concerning physical healing. But they'd never seen anybody raised from the dead. So these who had seen Jesus do miraculous things, they're kind of distraught. Like, Lord, if you'd been here, 
because we know you're the healer, he would not have died. But you weren't here, so he died. So in your situation, what are you facing that is beyond all hope? Like, the book is shut. The flight has left the gate. It is too late. You ever, one of those gate agents, can you just stop? The, it's sitting right there. The plane's just sitting right there. Oh, no. Oh, no, baby. You're not getting on the plane. No, but it's right there. So in your life, what's the situation that has left the gate, right? Because Jesus said in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. In response to what Martha said, let's see what she said. Then said Martha to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But now, I know, even now, whatever you ask, uh, will ask of God, God will give it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Do you understand the second that Jesus said that to her? There was the power to make it happen. Because the words were spoken. So now actually, actually like, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, confession is the path over which faith carries its mighty cargo. So now I always see it like that train that's passing by here, you know. Now there are train tracks laid for this to come down because Jesus spoke those words. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she's having a conversation with the Lord. And don't you know that she is listening intently to what he's going to say. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And what whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calls for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And the Jews which were with her in the house comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, following her, saying, she must be going to the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. They both struggled with the same belief. Like, okay, well, he can heal him, uh, but if he's dead, it's kind of a problem. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Literally, he groaned means to express indignation. He expressed indignation and was troubled. Why? Because death is an enemy to God. And Jesus does not like death. And he was not groaning and expressing indignation because like, he was worried what was going to happen. He was like, this, have you ever been like that? You go... Maybe it's for healing. Maybe it's for something else. You want to pray with somebody and they are totally under the influence of the enemy. You want to be like Smith Wigglesworth and just like punch him. The devil. You know, he said, I'll punch the devil. I don't punch them. I just punch the devil. (laughs) 
Well, I'll start with verse 32 again. Then when Mary was come uh, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Same thing. It's like the third witness, right? Like, he could have stopped. We believe he could have stopped this man from dying. Therefore, Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Again, that groaning in the spirit is to express indignation against or to rebuke sternly or charge strictly. In other words, I'm not letting this happen. Right? Jesus is not in despair. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. I love that in the King James. I'm sorry, I have to say it. By now he stinketh. Hopefully it's not sacrilegious, but when we had uh, little babies and they're in diapers and it was time to change one, I would say, uh, Melody, by now he stinketh. She'd she, she say, Tim, by now he stinketh. <laughs> For he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Said I not to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. If you will believe, if you would believe, he actually said, you will see the glory of God. If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. If you would, what? Believe. To believe is to take a step of faith. It is the action of your faith. It is your faith uh, in um, demonstration. Your faith in demonstration is your believing. Faith actually um, removes us from the way the world thinks and the dominion of the thoughts of the world. So you see like in Martha and then in Mary and then the Jews that were present, they all had the thoughts of the world. Not necessarily even evil thoughts except for anything that's of doubt is sin. Anything that's not of faith is sin. But as far as like, you know, particularly horrible, maybe not so much, but just worldly. In other words, limited to the power of man. So when, when we choose to turn away from the Lord, well, a turning to the world is turning away from the Lord. It was, I don't turn away from the Lord. Listen. If you're letting the world feed you wisdom, it's wisdom, and you're letting the world feed you knowledge, it's knowledge, 
you are, uh, your stance is turned away from the Lord. Well, you're going to move the direction that you're aiming. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so uh, Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly, and He came to destroy the works of the devil. So if our thinking never changes, and we think the world's thoughts, we will be dominated by the world's power. Somebody said, like, one of the worst things about going to hell would be to realize you didn't have to go there. The Bible actually says that, the, 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 that hell is for the fearful. So how do you go to hell? Just be full of fear. We should teach a message on how to go to hell. <laughs> how can I go to hell? Right? Well, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But it says, that's in Revelation, if you're wondering where it is. I think it's like 21 or 22. Unbelieving, liars, thieves, fearful. They all have their place in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. Right? Well, that means that we ought not to live in fear. Now, nobody get full of fear. Fear comes on, on all of us. You have a choice to accept or not accept it. I'm not saying if fear comes on you uh, for something and all of a sudden you just yield to it that you're going to hell. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He is saying, if you're an actual believer, uh, by its essence and definition, you are taken out of the world system and you're put in the kingdom of God into the God system. And so we walk by faith and we live by faith. We don't walk by fear and live by fear. We walk by our trust in Him. And so if you're not walking by your trust in Him, in other words, you're full of fear all the time, you ought to check up and see if you ever came into the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God, there is no fear here. It doesn't mean you don't have moments where you're like, whoo! But if your life is dominated constantly by fear, you need to come to the Prince of Peace who will guard you and surround you like a shield on every side. That fear has no entrance there. Right? So, I didn't want to scare anybody there. But I like to teach the Word. So, um, Jesus wept, verse 35, verse 36. Then the Jews said, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? I'll try to get beyond this. But Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, came to the grave. So the world will be like, if you're really a believer, how come you don't go, if healing's really true, how come you just don't go uh, empty out the hospital? 
If God really wants people healed, then why is anybody sick? These are not questions that come from the renewed mind. These are questions that come from a mind dominated by the world system or a mind that has never been given the blessing of feeding on the word to have it changed or transformed, like Romans says, Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is that? Well, that tells me that if my mind is not renewed, it's not like I might be conformed to the world. No, I am conformed to the world. If my mind has not been renewed, my thinking is conformed to the world's thinking. So I have no opportunity to escape that thinking except through what God has said. So if I receive what God has said and let that do some work in changing my mind, well, I'll begin to see things different because I think different. And then if I think different, I'll begin believing different and acting different. So I won't think the way I used to think. I won't think the thoughts I used to think. I'll think thoughts that were conceived in the mind of God. And I'll, I'll walk in ways that God has pre-designed and pre-ordained. And those are ways of true life and true freedom. All right, let's get Lazarus raised from the dead real quick. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I say to you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. So the requirement to see the glory of God was the glory of God. Well, it is the splendor of God, the magnificence of God, the weightiness of God. In other words, when you're like in awe and you're like, whoa, if you believe, you will see the mighty workings of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you hear me always, but because the people that stand here, I said it that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. There is so much right there. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Well, how can you believe if you haven't heard? You have to first hear. You let your mind be changed. You feed upon the word of God. It will change the way that you think. It'll change the way you think about other people. It'll change the way you think about yourself. You're not designed uh, to be a carrier of shame. And that shame comes, the devil uh, brings shame, and <clears throat> he always comes with a lie. He tries to get you or get me or get us to believe something that is not true. And um, he gains access to your life through a lie. The devil gains access to your life through a lie. 
John chapter 8, verse 44 says, when he speaks a lie, well, he's talking about uh, verse 44, all of it. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, this talking of the enemy, of the devil, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. In other words, he didn't get that from somebody else. He got it from him. For he is a liar and the father of it. Literally, a lie, literally that means there in the Greek, he is a giver of false impressions. So the enemy's going around trying to give you false impressions, lies, and get you to believe those lies. Because if he can get you to believe those lies, that's the only way he can control you. Because when you believe, you move in the direction of your belief. So if you believe a lie, uh, he will dominate you. So some people believe a lie that you messed up so bad, you're no longer qualified to receive anything from God. What's he getting you to do? False impressions that appear real, right? He wants it to appear real that the thing that you did has the power to separate you from God. Right? Well, most, a lot of times, not most of the time, but a lot of the times, the things that you did is something he tempted you to do. Well, he's trying to separate you from uh, the power of God because why? Well, if you just walk with God, the devil can't touch you. You live in the world, he'll bring something against your body. It can be scary. It can actually be deadly. But boy, you act in faith, no power. Power's removed. But he wants to get you to believe, oh, there's something wrong with your faith. It didn't work this time. Or uh, you're too busy focusing on other things. All these other things are happening. And so... Uh, yeah, that's true, all right, but that's not true for you right now. That would be true. Here's one of the biggest ones. That would be true if you just spent a little more time with the Lord. Well, how much time does it take to believe? Well, it's different for every person. Why? Well, if you find somebody that was steeped in not relationship with Christ, but religion, so they've been taught all these lies. Like God wants, I don't, even, I don't even like to repeat them, but how do, you, how do you communicate it without repeating them? You know, like that this is a lie from the pit of hell. That's how I'll do it. This is a lie from the pit of hell. That God uses sickness and disease. Period, that's a lie. To teach you, period, that's a lie. <laughs> to, to make you more holy, period, that's a lie, right? In other words, it's a lie from the pit of hell that God uses sickness and disease to teach you. But what happened? These people who teach this, and maybe they're actually believers, but they're not acting. Okay, we don't have time for this. Praise the Lord. Okay, so to be a believer, it is not one instance of time that you believe that Jesus is Lord and now signed, sealed, delivered, you're done. That is not a believer. A believer is one who lives by faith. And the initial act of the believer is to confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised Him from the dead. But faith, by its very essence and definition, is just turning your whole life over to the Lord. So it's not like, you know what, today, Sunday, August 9th, I'm turning my life over to the Lord, and Monday, August 10th, I'm going to do with my life what I want to do. 
Like, she learned this when she went to India back in 1997, I think it was, or something like that, you know. So in India, they have like thousands of little gods, G-O-D, right? small G-O-Ds, right? So uh, in India, if you don't minister uh, correctly, you need to really minister with the power of God so they know something different. But anyhow, this is beside the point. So, like, uh, they're like, sure, I'll add Jesus to my gods. Do you, is he like a little, you know, do you have a statue of him? Or what can I add him to this? No, no, no. This is a complete radical life transformation that it's no longer, I'm not living for myself, I'm living for Jesus. My life is completely changed. And so uh, to live by faith or to be a believer means you're, it's kind of ignorant when you say it that way, but to be a believer means you're a believer. So a believer is someone who is acting based on what God has said. So if you call yourself a believer, by you saying that or using those words, there should be actions that follow. Otherwise, you're just a thinker. Right? A believer is reliant upon what God has said and acts based on what God has said. So we, we don't have time. We stand, if you will, because I'll have to finish that uh, next week. Well, we live by faith, and we walk by faith, not by sight. We live by the unseen. But the unseen is more real than the seen because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what we cannot see. The evidence of what we cannot see is our faith. So A.B. Simpson had evidence that went beyond everything that the doctors said about his heart, that went beyond every experience he had where he would get out of breath and couldn't hardly, he basically had enough energy to get in the pulpit one week, go to bed, and get in the pulpit the next week. That's how, that's how far gone he, his heart was. So, A.B. Simpson acted in faith because the word gained such a place in his heart that he's like, I believe that more than what my body is telling me, more than what the doctors are telling me, more than, I don't know this part, but probably than what his close acquaintances were telling him. Not all of them, but some of them. Because the reason, the reason A.B. Simpson actually started to study this down the line is he was pastoring a church, and people in his church started, God started healing people in his church. They were healed by the power of God. And he was like, what is this? What is this? So he's like, wait a minute. There is an option besides having this? Well, I'm going to find out, and if it's true, it's got to be in here. So he set out, I'm going to look in here. Everything God's Word says about healing, I'm going to feed on that. And he fed on it for two weeks. And when he fed on it for two weeks, he was like, oh, now I can act by things I cannot see or feel. That's called acting by faith. Now I can act by faith. So, when the good news of the gospel is preached like this, at that moment, you can receive by faith because the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that power is present in the preaching or the declaration of that event. 
In other words, when someone says, Jesus Christ, God raised Jesus from the dead, the power that raised Him from the dead is available in the believing of those words spoken. The same power that raised Christ from the grave is in the believing of that preaching. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am the resurrection and the life. And so that same power is present here now. The same power that was present that God used when He raised Christ from the dead, that exact same power is in this pavilion and online wherever you're at right now. The same power. The same power if you're a believer that recreated you and made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead of a whole new species of being. First one, the pioneer. But you know what? The resurrection power of God raised His body. The resurrection power of God delivered His body from every sickness and every disease known to man. You think you got it bad? Jesus had it worse than anybody, but He's the only one that could defeat it. And he did it. He experienced death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, he took death at every point and to the fullest extent. So there would not be one person that the devil could give a false impression to that you have something special, that Jesus didn't pay for this, that Jesus didn't care for this. The devil will try to give you that impression, but that is a lie uh, from him, from the devil. There is no special disease or special sickness or special bodily condition that Jesus didn't take at every point to the point of the fullest extent of death. Jesus was dead, dead, dead. All right, you can't be deader than Jesus was. Is that the way to say it? So the resurrection power of Christ will raise you from the dead. It'll raise your body from the dead. Uh, you know, sickness is just death in the beginning form. It'll raise your spirit from the dead if you've never been born again. It, it'll raise your mind from the dead if you've never been renewed. You just read the Word of God, all of a sudden you'll start to think different. How do you, when I say read it, like I said at the beginning, I'm reading it and I'm wide open. Okay, Lord, you speak to me through this. Boy, when you turn to God like that, He will honor His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. You are qualified for a miracle from God. Uh, everything that's necessary for you to receive a miracle from God in your body, in your mind. Jesus uh, did all of the work that's necessary for that, but God will not force you to receive everything that He's done or His very best. The only way to receive it is to just let go of trying to fix it yourself, trying to do it yourself, uh, the good intentions of other people and definitely the ill intentions of other people and just say, you know what, Lord? I'm just throwing myself at your mercy. He's the best one to put it, <laughs> to throw yourself at his mercy because he will deliver you. He is the deliverer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning or online and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have the life of God, you don't have the peace of God, uh, Jesus came to bring peace. In fact, uh, the Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. And you don't have to go through life without peace. Full of frustration, full of worry, full of anxiety. That is not God's will for you. That is not God's plan for you. But you don't automatically um, get free from that just because God loves you. The way you get free from that 
is you turn yourself over to the Lord. You give yourself completely to Him. In the Bible, it's in Romans chapter 10, and the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, well, right, a couple chapters before that, it said that He took our sins and our sicknesses. And so if you believe God raised Him from the dead so we could be right with God, and you confess Him as your Lord. In other words, I just say, you know what? God, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that from my heart. And I take Him as my Lord. I'm not going to be my Lord anymore. I turn myself over to Him. And I say He's my Lord now. You will be saved. If you'd like to do that this morning, I just want you to repeat after me. I'm going to pray a prayer along those lines. And you just believe it from your heart, say it from your heart, uh, say it with your mouth, but from your heart, and you will be saved. A new life will come into you at that very moment, and that's in about 10 seconds. Uh, and when we do that, your life will be forever changed. Say this with me. Say, oh God, oh God. I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross to take away my sins and that you raised him from the dead so I could be right with you. Jesus, I give you my life. I receive you right now as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, I am now a child of God and in his family. Amen. Hallelujah. If you just prayed that prayer, please fill out the form. We want to get in contact with you. Pray a prayer. Uh, I want to be pray get your name so we can be praying over you and get you some materials if you'd like those. We're not going to bombard you with a bunch of stuff. You can also send us an email at info at anchordc.org, and uh, we'll get in contact with you that way. Again, just your first and last name, I pray to receive Christ. We want to uh, be praying for you and get you any materials and connect you. Uh, and if you're in our area with Anchor Church, or another area, we'd like to help you find a great church, uh, if at all possible, so that you can uh, worship together with other believers. There's something about coming together, especially the, the closer we get to the end of the world. Uh, the Bible says it's so important that we come together uh, with other believers.